Talk therapy. You know, you go to a therapist, you talk about your issues, your problems, your depression, whatever you may have. My question is, does it really work? We're going to find out today. I've got Dr. Psychology, Dr. Denise Moret here with me. So fasten your seatbelt. This is going to be a wild ride. Hey there, welcome everybody. Dr. Dave, microdose you. I appreciate you being here. So, you know, talk therapy. I've I've done it so many times over the years, off and on. And I've always like questioned, does it really do anything? Or is it kind of like a glorified meeting with a friend and just talking for an hour and then leaving? I don't know. I've got mixed feelings more towards it doesn't really do that much, but that's why I've got Dr. Denise Moret here with me. She's a doctor of psychology, and if anybody knows the answer to this, it's going to be her. So, Dr. Denise, welcome. How are you today? Uh, thank you for having me, Dave. I'm great. Nice to be here again. Thank you so much for having me. It's always good to have you, and and I, I for this episode, it's not just going to be enough to have me and I've done this already before by myself, talking about how what I feel about talk therapy. I personally don't feel it's it's really super effective for, for, for most people, but I wanted to discuss this with you, Denise, and, and I wanted to kind of figure this out together because you've got experience as, a, as actually a licensed healthcare professional um, doing this day in and day out and knowing the research and knowing a lot more than I do. So um I mean, I mean, I guess the first question I, I have for you is, and we can go kind of like off the record. Um, I, I want to hear from the honest answer from you. What is your, what are your true feelings on the effectiveness of talk therapy? Yeah, it's such a great question. Um, so my short answer, which might surprise people, is it really is, uh, it doesn't really work. People say you're you're, you're Dr. Moret, you're a psychologist who does talk therapy, and you're saying you don't do talk therapy and that it doesn't work, or that it doesn't work. It's a true statement. Sounds radical. I used to get in a lot of trouble for saying that. So what I mean by that is a lot of talk therapy uh, may not go deep enough to the real level where change occurs. So it can be supportive, and yet to truly change rewire your innermost being, which is really where the injury is, which is really where the source of trouble comes from. That's the source of healing as well. You have to go into that deeper level. It's talk there. Most talk therapy is supportive. It's helpful. It can provide some strategies, tasks to help change. Uh, and yet it's limited. So it, the, the, the real effect of talk therapy is not in the talk. In fact, if you're talking, we're in our brain and, and we're reasoning and, and a lot of people find it difficult to answer that from that deeper part of themselves, which is where that healing, that rewiring is going to occur. So um, when people can do that inner deep work, for example, getting into the subconscious unconscious level, 
that's where that deep work is going to happen. So that's the kind of work that I do in my talk therapy. The talking is the vehicle to get to that deep place. It's, it's the route of entrance to, to, to get there, to talk about that inner world. I love the word you used, support, because that's honestly the way I felt. Um, and again, I haven't been in like a lot of talk therapy over many decades, but but enough. Like uh, back in the day when I was going through my divorce, which was uh, 20 some years ago, I, I did a lot of talk therapy because I was going through a really tough time in my life. And I kind of remember my therapist and she was a, she was a psychiatrist. So she was able to also prescribe meds to me as well. But I remember going in to my sessions and yeah, I, I felt that now that I look back, I feel like maybe they were kind of support. And even sessions that I've had past that and, and even closer to now, maybe the same thing, maybe support. So, so let me ask you, doctor, um, you need to go deeper in talk therapy, but let's say, so, so let's say a patient of yours comes in and you meet them for the first time and they say they've got, they just feel they have, um, they're just, they, they feel they've got really bad depression. Where do you, where do you start and how do you get to the point where you go very deep for it to become effective? And, and you don't feel like you're just some support person there just talking things out a little bit. Yeah. Um, so when somebody first comes in, of course you're supportive, you're empathic. Sorry that you're struggling, that must be awful. What's that like for you is kind of where I'm going. I wanna make that connection. I wanna help that person tell me what they experience. Because now they're going inward. When you ask them, what's it like for you? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? And that helps them to try to go inward. And that's where the work will occur. And sometimes with people in the very first session, I'll hear something like, I don't have any hope in my life. I, my whole life fell apart. I'm terrible. I have no self-esteem. And I listen for those words. And then I ask questions about that narrative, about what that feels like. Where did that come from? And I try to get out of that, like just the thinking, well, like that it stays on the surface. So it's not just the logical reason, but what was that like? Where did that come from? Just almost like experiential, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, most of the time, people will talk about, yeah, you know, my, my dad always told me that I was like never going to amount to much. So if it was just supportive, this would be the difference. That must have been really horrible for you that your dad told you you wouldn't amount to much. Uh-huh. Yep. Thank you. I get that. Thank you. That's kind. What I really want to do is get into really accessing that, say, eight-year-old, that experienced dad saying you're not going to amount to much, and what that really created inside, that narrative, that inner wiring that got sort of grafted on to the being that the person is. So when they talk about their images, when they talk about their experiences, if they have access to dreams, that's really at that deeper level. And that's where we can begin to change and rewire the story and the actual wiring and the pathways in the brain. It's a physiological, psychological process. I understand on some level, but maybe on some level, I 
don't because maybe I've never maybe I've never had a therapist that tried to go that deep. And I was thinking as you, as you were explaining that, Doctor, um, I can't. I kind of came up with an idea. This is just I swear it's like on the fly. I, I wasn't planning this, but but I'm wondering whether we could do like a um, like a mock therapy set just just for three minutes yeah. maybe three minutes and I don't want to go long but but I just I'm just curious so let's say I come in um let's say just we'll, we'll do this like we're, we're talking patient client right now hey I doctor I'm here I feel I just feel really really depressed and I don't know what to do with my life wow you know I'm that sounds I, I, pretty and I'm smiling I should I, I, I said I'm really really that's depressed I don't know what to mock. do with my life as I'm smiling yeah, yeah, it's mock because you know people wouldn't just go, "Hey, doctor, I'm feeling I don't know what to do with my life." Like I, they'd make an appointment, you know, right? So we made a quick appointment. So it's mock. So we're it's a mock situation, but you know, let me try to sort of get into that role, uh, which is myself doing it. It's not a an act. Um, like truly, that that that's like wow, like awful, really just terrible. Like, what is that like for you? Like, what's what is going on here? I just wake up in the morning and I feel like I can't get going and I have no motivation and I feel sad. And I just feel like at my age, I just feel like I'm, I'm kind of going, I'm kind of going nowhere. That's the way I, that's the way I feel. Yeah. And is, is this something that's new? Has that happened before in your life? It's always been kind of present, but it seems like over the past several months, it's, it's gotten, for some reason, it's gotten really bad. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about the always, but is there anything in the last several months that you could identify that's also changed in any way? Well, you know, happen. we've been through, I'm going to date this way back just, just to have some fun with this part, but, um, oh, you know, we've been through COVID and the lockdowns and um, I just can't, I don't get out as much as I used to and just feel, feel like there's, feel like there's just nothing going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank, thanks for explaining that. So um, it is true, especially with recent, with COVID, that a lot of people are feeling that. And so what you're saying, Dave, is that um, nothing really specific, and yet kind of the general few months you've been feeling this. And um, what I have found sometimes is that, it, and you mentioned it's always been sort of there, but really worse in the last few months. So what I'm guessing, I don't know, I just met you, but what I'm guessing is that there's been an intensification of what's been there all along. And um, the circumstances of our world or of your particular um, life have exacerbated what's been there. So you've been kind of going along and it's been okay but there's been a sort of thing going on. So, you know, if you'd like to, to talk a little bit more, you know, I'd be interested in knowing what was the sort of stuff that's been there kind of all along, where does that come from? Because that's really gonna be where you can impact some, some real healing and change because you don't have to feel this way. I don't know where it comes from. It's just, it's just kind of always been there in the, in the background since I can, you know, probably since, probably since high school, I think. Mm -hmm. And so when you think back to high school, anything in particular that you could describe as an example? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is relevant or not, but like I was just, um, I didn't really feel like I fit in. I was, I was not really one of the cool kids. 
I wasn't really, I wasn't really an athlete. I was, I wasn't, I wasn't one of the, uh, you know, intellectuals. So I just kind of fit in kind of almost, almost no, I was just almost nowhere. And maybe that's something, maybe that's kind of where it started. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very common. Thanks for answering that and explaining that. Mm. Um, and, And I'm imagining that Un, unlike what was probably true, what we tell ourselves is it's me. You know, there's something about me that I don't fit in. I'm not one of the cool kids you just said. So that narrative has carried with you for decades on some level, even though you've probably matured and upgraded a lot of your reasoning and thinking that, you know, you're not in high school anymore. And yet on some level, there's been a little bit of a, you're not one of the cool kids on a deeper level. And then here you are now currently many decades later with, hey, nothing much is going on. You're not amounting to much. You're not one of the cool kids. And what does that mean if you're not? You know, where does life go if you're not, you know, you're not one of the cool kids, you can't ide- connect with people. Where, where would you go? It's usually pretty depressing and sad. So we would, you know, step out of role for a minute. I would really work with that to get into what, what's the person, what are you telling yourself? Where is that going? Imagery to go to, you know, because a, a normal session would be about just under an hour. So, you know, this is like a mini mock one, you know, to get what's the imagery. Usually you're going to hear awful things, feeling, telling yourself something, being alone by yourself going, oh, like I'm just not one of the cool kids and bringing that young high school kid here and saying, hey, sorry you went through that. Bring him here, Dave. Sorry you went through that. Show him you're not 16 in high school. Here you are, a 60 plus year old man doing amazing. Like, and you're cool, because you're cool within yourself. And, and to really show your 16 year old where you are now, bring that current. So that's a deeper level. That's gonna open you up. And even if you're not thinking you understand any of that, and you do, but many patients may not, it is really taking place. That conversation when somebody brings their 16 year old here, now we're talking about that subconscious unconscious level. So now we're opening up to that deeper level. If I can bring my little girl here and say, look, you're great. You're fine. Look what we're doing. Look, we made it. We're here. It's okay. There's that rewiring right there in that moment. It's almost almost instant. So it's supportive. Yes. It is talking. Yes. But it's at a m- much deeper level. That's so yeah, we, we can now come out of come out of the role playing. That was I, I, very interesting and I think valuable um because i will say this denise that um whenever i had talk therapy in the past i don't i don't remember my therapist going even going even maybe that deep so that i was impressed that was really good what you did now let's say you continued with this patient that we just kind of made up me um and you know he admitted that he was depressed and just felt like wasn't going anywhere how 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 long how many how many sessions or what kind of length of time do you think it would take you or could you could it could it ever happen that you totally um brought this person out of depression um by talk therapy is can it be done 
the short answer is yes, it can be done. With some people, like I just said, it, almost instantly in that first session, when you work at that deep level and the person's really open and really wants that, and they can, they have the imagery capacity and they really can kind of open up and there isn't a lot of like intellectualizing where someone starts going right into explaining, defending, but that's not it. That, then there's gonna be that resistance and that's gonna be more limited. That person may never do that inner shift at that deep level. For someone such as yourself, the mock patient or the real, you know, if this were really you, I know you'd go right in there and the first session you would experience change and it probably would not take all that long for you to experience some profound change still might be a little limited depending on you know what's going on because the, that rewiring really has to happen. Talking about it, doing the work. And then I always tell my patients, and you have to practice. You have to practice between sessions. You have to every day spend some time bringing your 16 year old and saying, see, see, we're okay, we're doing okay. And, and work with that and allow for the part that says, no, we're not, and you're not gonna, amount to anything and then adding, but we're, that's exactly what we're healing. See where we are now? Bring that current. Okay, so, so you, I, I just have a feeling you are, um, and I mean this from my heart, Denise, um, you're top level, top level as far as what you do as a psychologist, doctor, psychology, therapist, because um, for me, with my experience with therapists over, you know, over decades, I've never felt that any one therapist was able to really take care of me through talk therapy alone. And not only that, um, other people I've spoken to, I just, I just, I've come to the realization, at least in my mind, that talk therapy is, is largely ineffective and, and may, maybe supportive. Like, you, okay, you've got a friend that you're paying a few hundred dollars an hour to go talk to, and you can pretty much open up and say anything. So it's very supportive, but I never really found it to be something that like truly repairs uh, anxiety, depression. Well, those, I guess those are the two most common mental health issues, anxiety, depression, probably by far. Um, I just never found one that they could truly repair that or reverse it or, or whatever the, the, whatever the correct word would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Dave, seriously. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart that to hear you call me, you know, an expert and, um, that you would describe me that way is, is quite a compliment. Thank you very much. And I will take a page out of the therapist that helped me heal. Um, she's, she's, gone now for quite a long time, but I did a lot of work with her in my 30s, you know, over almost 30 years ago. And she said, claim yourself, be yourself, claim, claim who you are. And I had to rework the five-year-old in me that said, you should be ashamed of yourself. You're a nothing. You're a terrible person. You're not smart. You're not capable. So I worked for a long time to be able to say that was never true. I healed that wiring and it is a tribute to her that I can sit here now and say, I really do feel like I'm very good at helping people and um, not everybody, not all the time, but I do feel confident 98% of the patients I work with where I really will be able to help the treatment resistant 
patients, the ones that have seen many, many therapists, I get therapists refer their patients to me that they just don't know what to do with. And so I, I, I'm not trying to boast about that, but I feel so honored to be able to really help people make all the changes that they need to make. I mean, life just worlds apart changes where they really can heal and get to a place of peace. Uh, and um, just that deeper level, it makes all the difference, really does. I get frustrated because I, I speak to friends of mine and I'm thinking, I'm thinking of one friend in particular now, and I think I probably mentioned mentioned him to you um, in passing mm -hmm. a few times, but um, th this particular friend um, has some some real issues he's going through now in his life, and he goes to talk therapy, and he he tells me some of the things that his therapist says to him, and I'm thinking to myself, and I, I say this to my friend also, so I'm, I'm I, you know I, I give my opinion, I'm, I'm pretty strongly opinionated sometimes, as you probably know, but um, I, I say to him, I think your therapist is worthless because the things he's telling you are I don't think are right, and I don't think they're going to help you heal and um, and I, I hear this kind of thing all the time. So, so thanks for bringing some, at least some, some uh, shedding some, some wonderful light on this, that it can work if you have the right person who is skilled enough to really know what they're doing. But I submit to you, doctor, that there are not many therapists in the world that are that skilled. I, 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 I really do believe that. I, sadly, unfortunately, I have to agree. So... So fast, not fast forward, but let's segue into maybe fast forward into um, what we have both discovered over, you know, a short time ago, not, you know, not terribly long ago, when you think about the span of our lives is um, using psilocybin, magic mushrooms to rewire the brain. And it can be done in conjunction with talk therapy. I mean, at the very beginning, that's what I did too. And I think I told you, Denise, I think I told you one story. It might have even been in a, in a previous episode that we did together. Is that um, after doing talk therapy and um, starting my microdosing, I went in to my therapist about four to five months, six months down the road, something like that, and I had a whole um, sheet written down of things that I have figured out, and I, I shared this with my therapist, and he looked at me and said, "Dave, I've got to tell you." Uh, normally in talk therapy for you to realize these things about your life, it would have taken 10 to 20 years. Now I'll tell you, I don't have 10 to 20 years of talk therapy to, to I, I don't believe in slow. I, I believe I want to do things quickly. So um, that was a little bit disheartening knowing that it would take, it would take 10 to 20 years of talk therapy to come to those realizations. That's to me, that's very scary, Denise. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the, the Freudian model of, you know, three times, five times a week for 20 years, and maybe you'll get somewhere. So yeah, yeah, it's um, so it, it psilocybin has been around, as we know, for a very long time, unfortunately, because of all the history and the taboo and the schedule one and all of that, um, you know, it's, it's basically been unavailable and considered not of any use. So we know now that that's not the case. We know it's revolutionizing people's lives. We know it's revolutionizing the field of mental health. As I mentioned to you before, I came home to my, you know, February issue of Psychology Today. Not February yet, but you get it, you know, it, it, this is, I get this as part of my, where psychology uh, referrals are listed. 
and it's an article. This is a mainstream publication, and I and I confess I haven't read it yet because literally just came in the mail, and and here we are. That is just amazing that a mainstream a mainstream publication such as Psychology Today. I mean, that's, that's about as mainstream as you can get. Let's face it. Mainstream. They, they, yeah, I mean that's that's. I think that's fantastic. It's I'm I'm really and I'm gonna like I told you I'm gonna go to the um to the magazine stand somewhere as soon as I finish this and pick up a copy because I want to see that. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, yeah, who knows where it goes in the mainstream and mental health? It's pretty um, hard to have not heard about it. If someone goes to a practitioner, especially they're a physician or their mental health practitioner, and they say, hey, what about this, all this microdosing? I mean, I go on Netflix and there's Michael Pollan's thing and the book and the, and the doctor says, no, don't do it no matter what. And yet they know nothing about it. I would say, Go to a different doctor. That's a little radical, and I'm sorry, but it's true. Because if someone says, "No, no, it's dangerous. What are you doing? You're going to trip on mushrooms. Ah, you know, you're going to be a drug addict." They don't know what's happening. There's so much good research. It will take probably a, a long time from now for the research. Hopefully, it will do it fast to catch up with what we already know. Real wor world data. I talk to people all the time, as do that are their life has changed almost overnight it's amazing or within months the the rapid speed because they open up and it heals it grows new pathways if a tree branch as a metaphor is your neural you know functioning and you have like you know a part of that breaks off the psilocybin grows it this is why stroke patients are healing faster so this is why we have all this research for stroke victims, for mainstream research facilities and hospitals, Harvard and Memorial Sloan Kettering. They're all doing this research because it is of value and it, it works. And how can they ignore it? As Harvard recently said, how could we not look at this? Even though we kicked Timothy Leary out in the 60s, we need to look at this. So. I truly am so grateful that we are seeing more research, more access, and um, people truly reporting. I mean, just across the globe, you know, millions of people re re reporting how it has changed their lives. And this, it, it's revolutionizing. I've said it in a prior podcast, I think we don't have enough expert therapists to do that deep work. Um, and so this really can help people. And yes, in conjunction with other work, whether it's therapy or doing some of the daily practices that you talked about in your 10 days to New Year, um, very key, key, really, um, to change people who have had, you know, just the other day, somebody who had no desire to live literally had tried to end their life to within weeks having hope having energy just because they started microdosing and now they're doing other work i mean that is life-saving life-changing i'm going to try to say this in the most scientific medical term i can possibly come up with but um psilocybin is amazing that's, that's the most scientific thing. It, it, seriously, all kidding aside, though, it, it is truly, truly an amazing plant medicine that, that totally reworks your, your 
rain and makes you feel good every single day. I was thinking something when you, um, since um, that was published in Psychology Today, and just like you, I, I have not read it. I'm going to pick up a copy. I'm, a, I'm a, uh, um, an hour behind you because I'm going to get it. I'll have it in my hands within a couple hours or so. But I was wondering if, um, God forbid, somebody's using this plant medicine and let's say they get busted and they're up in front of a judge in a courtroom. Could you pull out the Psychology Today? Your Honor, Your Honor, look, this is being talked about in psychology today. It's got to be okay. Please let me off. Yes. Well, this is that's a very interesting point. It's being, even though we know it, there's a lot about legalization, decriminal, decriminalize, et cetera, et cetera. There's also de-emphasis. I don't know if I'm using the right word. They're sort of like, it's not a high priority to, um, you know, to try to throw people in jail because they have a couple of chocolate bars or a couple of capsules, you know? So, I mean, yes, the, it is something to be mindful of. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I would pull it out and go, look, there's all this research. The FDA has come out. The FDA has come out and said, this is amazing. This needs to be available. We need to get on this. Our president, our current president has said it. So yeah. Uh, Things only, are shifting dramatically. Yeah, the only problem is you're you're in New York. I'm in Utah, so Utah, Utah still don't. You, Utah actually, Utah is become is definitely becoming more progressive, and I think there's some type of, some type of proposal or proposition or whatever it may be called on the on the books that might be leaning towards um, the fa more favorable uh, regulations and laws about about. Um, psilocybin so we're we're, ho we're hoping for that and I don't, I don't know enough about that in Utah but it's something I probably should know more about but but yeah we're, we're we are absolutely 100% going in the direction of this is going to be an accepted plant medicine sooner rather than later kind of the way the way cannabis has gone I I, I feel very strongly about that yes I predict um not that I have a crystal ball but I think at some point it's probably way down the road but someone will say some younger person who's 20 years old and feeling anxious and depressed and goes and gets at some store psilocybin whatever form and they go this used to be illegal kind of like we would say i can't just go buy a bottle of wine and now people say in new york where cannabis is fully legal as long as you're 21 recreationally medically you do not need a card and now we have dispensaries opening that are actually do you can just walk in you can stand right outside and do whatever smoking you want as long as smoking is allowed any kind of smoking so at some point psilocybin will become available i mean the the real world of what's going on with this is eons beyond what the laws say and what the research proves it's very limited by the way as a side note the research research is so limited because you can't take a 60 year old person that has high blood pressure and has a history of schizophrenic parents and put that person in a research study necessarily and, and deprive them of their medicine and give them psilocybin. It's a very hard thing to show in, you know, in, in real world, in, in actual research. Right. But we already know that that's, it's gonna help that person. So the, the laws are going to eventually catch up because there's gonna be too much pressure. That's what we see. You know, the, 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 you know, schedule one of cannabis, I mean, it, still schedule one, and yet it's legal. So, you know, it's these things, that's how it goes. There is, I will mention, by the way, for anyone who's interested, there is a, um, 
I, I forget the website. I think it was posted on maybe one of the sites, but um, you know, on social media. But there's a, a legalization tracker that you can follow where it says exactly what's going on in every state. There's a lot going on in most states. There are some states where we're not going to see anything because they're very other side. Um, but most states have um, proposals and, and advocacy. I'm part of advocacy professionally here in New York. Um, you know, to, to they, they want healthcare professionals on uh, boards and different um, organizations to really get this legalized. So um, a lot of advocacy going on to get it access because it is life-saving. It, it, so, it's so sad because it, it really has the capability of helping so many people. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people that are like very strictly law-abiding people, they, they, they feel it might help them a lot, but they're, they're just afraid to do it because it is not, it is, you know, at least federally, federally um, uh, schedule one. So that it's just, it's, it's really, really sad. So the, um, the faster we can get going on this, making it available to anybody that needs it is the faster, the better, the sooner, the better for sure. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah. and it's such a, it's such a safe substance as well. It's, 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 I can't even, I couldn't even tell you how much safer it would be than alcohol. It's just, it's, there's, there's, there's no, yeah. it's, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt you. I mean, you might take too much, but it's not going to, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. They always say the biggest risk is getting in trouble because it's not legal, yeah. you know, there is, there is totally safe. And um, in, in mental health, by the way, you know, people will take a medication, an SSRI like that without even giving it a thought, because here's a pill, it's gonna make me better. My doctor prescribed it, it's gonna make me better. The dangers, the side effects are far greater than psilocybin. So hopefully, you know, we really do see that um, change. Yeah, and, and I'm not like like you, I'm sure. I'm, I'm not like I'm not like against SSRIs in any way. They're, they they definitely have a purpose and I have used them in my life for sure. But given the choice now, and I've used, uh, you know, SSR, I've used Lexapro up against magic mushrooms. And for me, it's, it's crystal clear which one is better, more effective, and safer. It's, it's, it's not even a remote question in my mind which one is, is better for, for mental health. And, I, and I'm speaking in, in particular now of um, anxiety and depression and PTSD, the, the three biggies. There, there's no yeah. question in my mind. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And I'm not against SSRIs either. In fact, um, I haven't personally experienced them, but I have lots of patients, friends, you included, who have. And I, it's, they can be life-saving also. So I'm not against them. I see the limitations. I see where they're not helping people. I see people on them and then it's not working. And so they get a, a second or a third or a fourth SSRI. I know many people are, you know, polypharmacy. Um, and, and the thing that's different, the, the mushrooms actually rewire. The, the um, SSRIs or any you know, psychopharmacology, um, it doesn't, it's not gonna heal anything. It's gonna help you maybe, and it could save your life and it could help you get out of bed, but it's, it's not doing that work so that it, the magic mushrooms are gonna rewire so that you won't need the SSRI most likely. And that's, that's a key difference well that's uh, i'd say that's a, a very very key difference because the ssris and again we don't want to minimize them they are effective for many people like you said a lot of people 
um, go from jump from one to the next to the next is either they start losing effectiveness or one doesn't work as well as maybe another one will. But I think the main thing to keep in mind is that um, they only work while you're while you're taking them. They're not rewiring anything. They're just they're just um, helping the reuptake of of serotonin into the brain while you're on them. But then as soon as you get off and and they leave your system, you know, a few weeks later, you're going to be back to where you were. Whereas the, um, the the psilocybin actually changes, if you will, I'd say like reboots your brain. We can think in computer terms, does a reboot. And you know, when you reboot a computer, uh, mysteriously, everything just starts starts working again the way it should. That's like the first line of defense when something's wrong, you reboot. So it's it's like a it's like a brain reboot. Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the things I discovered, I didn't know back, you know, as much as I know now, that psilocybin is also an anti-inflammatory. So it rewires and it heals the inflammation in the psyche and in the brain emotionally as well as physically. And so there's a calming down of the nervous system that might be kind of contributing to anxiety and um, spiraling in the depression. So it sort of reboots all of that. And ironically, I mentioned about the anti-inflammatory effects it also helps you feel better physically. My back was better as soon as I started using psilocybin. And, and I said, oh, that's right. It's an anti-inflammatory. I forgot. My back has never been better. I have had, I think I've mentioned this on previous podcasts. I've been helped certainly by acupuncture and massage and you know, osteopathy. This, this is the best I have felt even with all of that other work. So it actually did heal and rewire and, and heal some of those pathways in my back that's causing the arthritis and the pain. So with SSRIs, and again, I, I, I wanna repeat what we're saying, I'm not against them. I never want anybody to think they can't do that. It's an, and, and you can magic take magic mushrooms alongside SSRIs. That's another myth, by the way, that you have to be off one to start the other. Having said that, SSRIs, people will often report side effects. So not only you're trying to you know, treat your depression, which hopefully it works, or the anxiety from other uh, pharmaceuticals, but now you're feeling bad. Like suddenly I have nausea, right? This experience, you know, whatever other kind of experiences, side effects in the body. So with magic mushrooms, you're not gonna have side effects. You're gonna feel physically better psychologically better and your brain's going to function clearer and that allows for all that rewiring on so many levels well one of the most common side effects that uh are reported with ssris are the um sexual side effects and so there are a lot of people that refuse or or once they're on they they don't like these side effects so they go off of them they, ref they don't want to use the SSRIs because of these sexual side effects. And then that, so they're not on anything and it, it you know, the, and it messes them up even more. So it's, it's, it's kind of a catch 22. It's, it's like, you know, you go on them and you don't like them because you don't like the side effects, but they're working. So you get off of them. It's, it's a mess, but you're right. Psilocybin does not have any of those, um, any of those side effects whatsoever that I, that I know. I mean, I, I think it would be dangerous to say there, there are no side effects of psilocybin, but um you know, because everybody is different. And, you know, it's, it's, it could be as simple as um, somebody uses psilocybin and, and they get, they get a headache or they get anxious. And a lot, and I know you have told a lot of people that I've seen, you know, 
just make sure you're hydrated because yeah, if you're hydrated, the chance of you getting a headache or something like that is, is going to be lessened. So, you know, it's, it's, in my mind, it's it's extremely clear which one is 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 better and and more effective. Absolutely, yeah. And that is, um, if someone has a side effect, it is most commonly reported that they have a headache. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of like I wouldn't call it full blown nausea, upset stomach, but a little bit, which is usually quelled by some strategies. Some people eat a little something before weight, and then dose. Some people empty stomach works better. You have to sort of figure it out for yourself, but definitely being well hydrated, like we should be every day. Psilocybin does have a little bit of a dehydrating effect for some reason. I, I don't know the science behind that right now, but um, yeah, so just stay well hydrated, you know, and, and you shouldn't have a headache. And um, some people feel, I, I have heard, like you just mentioned, anxiety. Oftentimes people are worried about, you know, I'm going to take a illegal drug, I'm going to trip on mushrooms, that adds to the anxiety. So that's why setting the intention is so important. When I start tell people, you know, strategy preparation or my own dosing, I always say the first time I did it, going back a ways ago, I myself had that anxiety. And I said, after, you know, working on that deeper level and practicing my daily affirmation and mantra, I said, I am taking this plant, which is totally safe, even though I was a little anxious and my brain was like, what are you doing? I still said it out loud. Mm. Denise, you're taking this plant because you want to heal even more. This is going to work with you. It is safe. It is going to help on every level. Drank my water, took my little capsule and go ahead and work with me. This is going to be great. I set the intention, opened myself up and relaxed. And that was the best intention and set and setting as we talk about and i was not anxious then i love it if anybody wants to i mean I, what you just said is wonderful and i would recommend that anybody that um feels that they might may have a little bit of anxiety before they start using um magic mushrooms i would recommend going back to that little segment where you said that and just remember what denise said and say it out loud um it sounds like it'll be really really helpful so let me ask let's let's kind of um go full circle around and come back to um, talk therapy versus um, microdosing or, or even macrodosing, talk therapy versus magic mushrooms. Any um, final words, final thoughts on that, Denise? Um, I would say in general, your microdosing is going to be way more effective for a larger amount of people. If you had a thousand people and you all sort of put them with a thousand therapists and they did therapy, you're going to have much less success with the average thousand therapists out there and the typical th talk therapy. Take those same thousand people and have the microdose and you're going to find a much higher success rate in reduction of depression, anxiety, eating disorders, addictions, trauma, physical pain, improvements in cognition um, with the, the same size thousand or so people. So if you are microdosing and you're adding that to a, th a talk therapist that you feel comfortable with um, and that you feel safe talking with about anything, that's wonderful too, because doing as we've spoken about and you've spoken about in so many of your podcasts, you can't just take, you know, the medical model says, take a pill, you'll feel better, right? No, you take the psilocybin 
And you also do the work alongside it, whether it's mantras or going for a walk and doing setting all those intentions, understanding at a deeper level. So with the right therapist, talk therapy and psilocybin, that's really a, a perfect combination. Perfect. Let's let's end it at that. However, uh, as we're talking today, I've got to admit, I wrote down several a bunch of ideas i want to um oh by the way you like my uh, little journal it's it's i it's, love it's, that i i found this uh, actually i was traveling somewhere i found this at the uh, in a little like gift shop at the salt lake airport and i i love this so much i'm almost finished this one so i just i just love i always carry a journal with me wherever i go i just you know i'm, I'm a tech guy and i love i love computers and i love my iphone but there's there's something about actually just writing things down in an actual an actual journal. And so I, while we were talking, I uh, at least four to five more topics came to my mind that I want to talk to you about. So um, would you come back and can we do a little bit more? Because I'm, I'm loving these with you. Yeah, I, I am too. And absolutely. My, my pleasure. Just enjoy it so much. Enjoy you. Sounds great. I love having you on and um, let's let's just plan to do it again really soon. And thanks so much for your time, Denise, Dr. Moret. I really, really appreciate you. Thank, thanks, Dave.